0: Be sure to get down, good lord, with the two idiots talking sports, strictly man they just play around, cover much ground, talk about the best pound for pound, it's Z to AC, DC to Cali, ooh wee, you can't get them out of your mind, no, they talk about the sports all the time.
1: Welcome to Two Idiots Talking Sports. I'm your host, Alex, joined by reoccurring guest, an old friend, Big Drew. What up, Big Drew? What's up, what's up? Andrew here, a.k.a. the
0: new Z from D.C. Uh, glad to be back, man. Thank you very much. Honored. What's up, Zach?
1: Uh, Zach was actually going to be on the podcast, but uh, he just had a kid, as some of you or some of you might not be aware, and he had to do a late cancellation, so... It's gonna hopefully be a multiple-person pod. We got big Drew on. Zach canceled. We might get my dad on. I don't know if he's still awake. Uh, we're doing this on a Monday. We're mainly potting Drew because Carmelo Anthony finally got traded, and despite all the big moves that happened this summer, that we potted about some of them. Being a huge Nick fan, I feel like we needed to talk about the Melo trade. Where For were you, sure. Where were you when the Melo trade went down, or do you not even care?
0: I got home from making pizza, had the alert pop-up on my phone. Um, And it was sort of, I mean, for how sort of exciting it was that he went to the Thunder, it was also a little just anticlimactic. It felt like all of it was done, and then it just sort of slipped through. The Knicks got a poo-poo platter back. Um, So, I mean, you know, RIP to the the mellow Knicks era, but... um, the Knicks are still screwed, and I think the Thunder are still a second-round playoff team. So, anticlimactic in that I don't think it changed the landscape for a lot, but uh, also sort of a, a giant landmark for the Knicks to finally be moving on.
1: Like, a lot to digest of what you just said. Yeah, go hard. <laughs> First, I feel like I get a little bit of my life back after just constantly being on Reddit and Twitter. Like, with, you know, the trade was on the two-yard line two months ago. And then you know, every during the heat of the summer, there was rumors every day or every other day, like Mello's gonna go to Houston, Mello for this three way team with Houston, all these things. Then nothing. So part of me is just happy that it's over. Like we could, the Knicks could finally move on and start the next chapter of the franchise building around. I mean, I
0: really, I really believed he was gonna start the season in a Knicks jersey a week ago. So. For sure, uh, I hear what you're saying that it was crazy, but uh, yeah,
1: I'm with well, you. The brass, from what I read, the brass basically made a decision saying that they can't go into the they can't go in to this season with him on the roster. Like they couldn't endure another circus of Melo is back. He doesn't want to be here. What will that do for the locker room? You know, every every interview would be about that. So they wanted to get rid of him. And basically, they went to Melo, and they're like, listen, we want to move you, but Houston's not going to happen. We're not taking Ryan Anderson. Nobody wants Ryan Anderson. You have to expand your list. And that's what happened. And that's how we got uh, OKC, and I think Cleveland was the other team. Yeah. I mean, if I'm being totally honest, the trade went down, what was it, Saturday? If you had told me, asked me on Friday... Like, hey, on the table right now, Knicks get NS Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a second round pick. Would you do that deal? Immediately, I'm saying no. Like, I'm not even thinking. But now that I've had a few days to digest it, and I'm like, trust, you know, I'm a huge Knicks fan, Homer, I'm just trying to be positive, I'm actually kind of like the trade. I mean, the Knicks built this hole where they were never going to get fair value for them because of their own fault and Phil Jackson. He was like off in Montana right now, smoking cigars and other stuff. But even though they didn't get fair value, I still kind of like what they got in like a vacuum, knowing that the Knicks are going to suck anyway, and now they get to move on. I, we, you I
0: couldn't disagree more.
1: You don't like Canter?
0: I, I, no, I, I mean he's a backup big man who can score and has zero defense. Zero. McDermott, I think you're only remembering NCAA McDermott. He's shown zero real flashes in the NBA and a second round pick from the Thunder is nothing. So
1: nope. the pick is the bulls pick, so it could be like a high second round pick, but it's still a second round pick. Whatever. It's, it's a still round the pick.
0: three of those together are none of those are blue chip or anything close to a blue chip asset. So to give up Carmelo, and I know ESPN ranked him like in the 70s or whatever. Which is as a player, ludicrous. I thought like he's a top 20, 25 player in the league. To get zero real assets back, um, I just think it was a bad trade. Now, I texted you that I think it's good for the Knicks and that you guys are going to be horrible this year, and this is a good year to stink because it's going to be one of the most stacked drafts of all time. And now you have a year sort of like um, – The Greek freak had up in Milwaukee two years ago where it's just like, let them loose in a season where the stakes are very low because you know you're going to stink. Let them learn a ton. Um, There's no pressure on really like making the playoffs. It's sort of just like work on your game, mature, get better. So in that aspect, it's like, it's good for the future. But I mean, I guess the options are just super limited because there weren't a ton of teams. But to basically get three, you know, doo doo pieces for Melo. Uh, didn't, really, didn't really get me going.
1: Well, I love your Greek freak analogy because that's exactly what's going to happen. It's gonna be like, there's no expectation. It's just let Prezingus who's going to look brilliant at times, and he's going to look like other times where he really struggles. I think Cantor and Prazingis offensively is going to be awesome together. Like, Cantor listen, Cantor is statistically the worst defensive center in the league. Like, the worst. Yeah. The Knicks were already awful at defense and definitely got worse. Like, you could say what you want about Melo's defense. Cantor is worse defensively, and McDermott might be the, and also was one of the worst defensive small forwards in the league. Yeah. But they're both 25, so you're trading a 33 year old for two 25 year olds when, again, the Knicks had, had destroyed any leverage they had because the Phil Jackson just publicly dismaying him. It was the same thing with the Paul George scenario. Or the Boogie cousins were like every well Boogie not as much but Paul George everyone knew they wanted to trade him so they were just getting yeah. ten cents yeah, to the dollar
0: crushes the value when that
1: happens especially with the no trade clause I mean there was nothing Cleveland could have offered that I wanted and outside the Brooklyn pick which would never happen yeah the who was the other thing oh Houston. although if you're
0: Cleveland so let me so you see D Wade's going to get bought out and he's probably going to end up in Cleveland so if you're Cleveland and that happens. And then it's the mellow thing. Do you then not trade the Brooklyn pick and just say we're going all in this year, we're going mellow, Wade, LeBron, and just sort of put all your chips on the table?
1: If I'm Cleveland, I hold on to that pick, and I try to see if either Boogie or Anthony Davis become available, and I try to offer, like, Kevin Love and anything else in that pick. No, I'm not trading the Brooklyn pick for mellow, no matter what, if I'm Cleveland.
0: Even if you know you have D. Wade and you know it's all these aging guys, sort of one last shot go on
1: all-in. I think um, also you hold yeah. on to it to see how the season starts. I think they can move yeah. that midseason and get someone really good. I mean, maybe not Boogie or Anthony Davis, but they can make... They can move that. And if if Brooklyn is awful, which I actually think they'll be better, but if Brooklyn comes out and it's terrible, all of a sudden you're like, you already said it, this draft is super top-heavy and loaded. So like, yeah. all of a sudden they have a top-five pick, and it's like, well, maybe we hold on to this, or yeah, we'll trade it, but we're only trading it for a blue-chip player, not even though I still think Carmelo could play. He's 33. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't do it. I would hold on to it and see if you could get something better. But back to the Knicks. We can't, I mean, so the Knicks had no other options, and so they got what they could. Nobody wanted to take Ryan Anderson's in a three, three-way deal with Houston. Cantor f- is very intriguing offensively, I feel like, with Przingis, and most importantly, he rebounds the crap out of the ball which the yeah. Knicks don't have a lot of rebounding. Especially Prazingis, who I love and will defend to death, is not a great rebounder. Even in the Euros this summer, he didn't rebound the ball at a good rate. So him and Cantor together could be awesome offensively. They're almost perfect fits. Cantor gets everything in the paint. Prazingis gets stretched to court. Doug McDermott is fair. He's kind of a bum. <laughs> He's kind of a bum.
0: Yeah, he was a really good scorer in college. Yeah.
1: His career three point shooting is like 39%. He's like, a year ago, he was one of the best three point shooters in the league. He's 25. The Knicks are going to stink. My fear is they might actually be better after this trade than if they had kept Mallow Uh, and it was a a circus. They're going to be fun to watch. uh, Cantor is one of those guys
0: that is great in 12 to 15 minute chunks. And then it's like, yeah, if you like, sort of like, uh, stretch it out and do his, like, 40-minute equivalent. They look really pretty, but he can't give you that. So I think Cantor sort of is what he is. He's not going to, like – I don't think he's going to get much better. Um, I mean, I his, think he's going to give you, you know, some cheap buckets, rebound okay, but I don't think he's going to be your 35-minute-a-night guy. Well, no. we're um,
1: the, we have, and, For our roster, it makes no sense because we already have a million big guys. Yeah. So he's not going to get those minutes to put up those. But per 36, he's efficient as hell. Last year, per 36, 25. I'm just looking at his stats right now.
0: Yeah, but I just said, I said, but if you, but like, there's a lot of guys who are very efficient who then you make play a whole game and it doesn't translate to that, right? Um, I mean, I guess like if you're looking at it sort of from the, the Danny Ainge school of thought, that it's like, whatever, they got some assets and yeah, they're only 25 and McDermott has the potential to be a a really knockdown three-point shooter and can't give you buckets off the bench, so maybe they go ahead and move those again during the season. Um, So if you look at that as just, like, these assets, like, I guess you can make the case for it. If you're trying to, like, make it fit on the roster, it's terrible. Um, And, again, these are not just sort of, like, blue-chip assets. They're, like, mediocre at best. But, again, you know, every year around the trade deadline, there's playoff teams that get desperate and will sort of overspend for – a big man who can give you buckets, you know, in crunch time, or a guy who can stretch the floor. So, um, you know, there is some silver lining.
1: Well, the silver, the the two things I like, and then we'll, you know, we could talk more about other things. But one, their contracts. Even though Cantor's cr- like contract is an albatross. Knicks arguably have three of the worst five contracts in the NBA right now. Between Joe Kim Noah, Tim Hardaway, which we'll see, but could be awful and then they're paying Cantor like 18 million a year now. He gets uh, he has a player option for next season, which he could pick up or he could just hit unrestricted free agency. And then Doug McDermott's on the last year of his rookie deal. So, even if Cantor picks up his his contract, they're saving like 10 million off of Melo's deal if they had kept him. Or he opts out and now they're like got 28 million dollars off the off the books going into next off season. So,
0: Yeah, but does anybody want to go to New York right
1: now? No, the Knicks should suck for the next three years. They're, like, finally rebuilding. They have this young core of 25-year-olds that I think is intriguing. But I think both Cantor and McDermott are fits to play with Przingis. Defensively, they're awful. The Knicks are going to suck this year. but. Just in, like, I think offensively, you add another shooter, which the roster needed, who's a pretty good shooter, and then a guy who rebounds and bangs down low, which Perzingis doesn't do. And they could play together, I think. So the Knicks, they'd probably be the worst defensive team in the league, but I think offensively they're going to be fun. With Porzingis, like going to work, and then you got Hardaway, McDermott shooting threes, and then Cantor and Herman Gomez banging at the rim, Neil Aquino, like doing his thing. Does any of this move you, or are you just like not
0: even? Allowed. I'm just sitting here shaking my head, man. Okay, all right. That is terrible. Who? Is, so I mean, Porzingis is obviously a sort of a superstar on the rise, but he's not a guy that you can just sort of give the ball to and say, "Hey, create all game." Like he's not going to no. be bringing the ball up. So who's do- Like who's bringing the ball up? Is it Hardaway?
1: No, the, the Knicks point guard situation is the worst in the league. Ron Baker is our starting point guard.
0: Right, so that's like that's not good for anybody's development, and like he's not going to be penetrating, being able to kick to McDermott. So McDermott's going to have no open shots. All the sort of easy dunks that Cantor got last year, because Westbrook is creating havoc. Bye bye, and sort of poor Zinga's being able to go one on one because everybody's focusing on Melo from going off. That's gone. I think it's going to be bad.
1: They have scoring options. I get what you're saying. I mean, the fact that they can't play D. And the fact that like, like so you I like this
0: is the only one who can create, right? So like Cantor, I mean he can post up a little bit, but it's really gotta be one on one. Most of his buckets came from like sort of like drop offs and sort yeah, of finishes right. last year. And put back McDermott's not gonna McDermott's not gonna be freaking anybody and hitting like step back threes. They gotta be open and sort of created for him. But I just don't know who your creator
1: is, which is Michael Beasley. Is worrisome. Michael Beasley. That's tight. That's honestly no. tight. No, the lack of defense and lack of a point guard is why the Knicks are going to be one of the five worst teams in the league, which is good because they want to get a Wait, top Wait, is hit. Beasley
0: really on your team?
1: Yeah. That's
2: he, amazing. He said that's he, incredible.
1: He said he's basically Carmelo Anthony on the left side of the court. That's what he said in his interview last week. I love that. I kind of, I love, lo- that. I kind I love, of love him. He might be one of my favorite players on the team because he's just a psychopath. Yeah, that's amazing. He just in buckets. He just gets buckets. But Hornacek, they're putting in his, his run and gun. The triangle's gone, so it's going to be run and gun and jack threes. It's the Phoenix offense again, so m- cool. maybe they don't need a point guard, but they're probably going to be awful. I, I am not arguing with you that they're going to be a bad team. I agree with you they're going to be terrible, but I think they're going to be entertaining. Like I think they're going to be a very high-scoring team, but also gives up. Like Their games are going to be like 120 to like 130. I mean, that's a little crazy, but you get what I'm saying.
0: I get what you're saying. I disagree, but I get what you're saying.
1: All right, what do you think about OKC? I, I mean, it's
0: – I go back and forth, right? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be sort of a, a match made in heaven. These are all guys who need the ball in their hands or have the balls in their hands. Um, that being said, there's just so much talent that, like, I think they're going to figure it out. And I think it's good that sort of mellows a little like later in his career, um, so he's not going to sort of be going alpha dog to Alpha Dog with Westbrook. Yeah. Um, so I think they will figure it out. I think they're going to be really, really good. I still don't think this makes them as good as the Warriors. Um, I think this might make them better than the Rockets. Um, so I think it's sort of still the same feeling as last year. Like they're not going to get out of the Western Conference Finals. Does it make them better? Yes. Um, do I think they'll figure it out and be really good? Yes. Do I think they can beat the Warriors, which I think is sort of the end question? Um, I think no.
1: Well, I, I agree with your point about Melo being older and kind of easing into a new role. I'm a little worried about how Paul George and Westbrook are going to play together. Paul George said he wants to win the MVP this year, and Westbrook's coming off an MVP season where he like, literally didn't and never had to pass the ball.
0: Yeah, but Paul George, I mean, even in Indiana, like he handled the ball a lot, but there were years where um, George Hill was the point guard, and he's proven that he can, like, sort of play off the ball and hit wide open shots, and he's a really good spot up three point shooter. So I actually worried less about them him than Mello, because Paul George is an elite defender, and he's going to sort of do the little intangibles, whereas Mello is just, like, a bona fide scorer, and if he's not scoring, what is he doing for you? Um, so I worry that, like, if he's not getting the rock and he's not scoring and he's averaging 15 points a game, does he sort of check out? And then he's giving you even less on the defensive end. And then, like, what do you have? You have you have Michael Beasley, you know, which is not great.
1: Well, I think that's a little dramatic. A little, of like, all the, like, he's go just going to check Beasley. out and stop trying. I don't believe that not, at all. Yeah,
0: like check out, but, like, what is he doing if he's, it's like, you know, his usage rate is going to go way down. It's obviously going to be Westbrook. Yeah, but he doesn't Ball.
1: need to do what he did in New York anymore. He doesn't have to score 25 a night. He could score, like, 18 a night and have games where he just goes off. He's like a, a – my one thing with Melo with the Knicks, he was such a heat check guy for quarters. Like, he would regularly have, like, 15 to 20-point quarters and then, like, struggle and then shoot himself out of the game and finish with, like, 26 points.
0: Yeah, I mean, just Westbrook usage rates right are. I mean, so Westbrook's going to have to prove that he can sort of take a step back um, and sort of, you know, show that he's not a total psycho and he can distribute. Um, because Melo has he check nights, nice, but that's like he was bringing the ball up. You know, he's yeah. still the, like, he is, you know, he's the alpha dog with the ball. Whereas, like, is Westbrook ever going to be like, hey, Melo, you're going off, bring the ball up? Like, I'm pretty sure Westbrook's going to grab that ball from out of bounds, you know, like. In rec ball, kids would get into arguments who was the point guard. Like, Westbrook's getting the ball. He's bringing it up. Um, and then it's like, okay, now Melo's getting the ball with 15 seconds less than the shot clock instead of 24. And it's like, does he have the same amount of time to do his triple jab step, you know, pull-up? It's just going to – like, his whole game is really going to have to change. It's much more just sort of catch and shoot, less sort of time to get into the rhythm, less ball handling. So I worry less about Paul George um, and more about Melo in this mix.
1: What if they're playing him at power forward, like everyone's saying? Like his Olympic mellow is back kind of thing. Yeah, stretch forward mellow. Yeah. Um, I think I mean, that could be the most interesting the piece. It's for
0: success, but it's still the same thing, right? It's like, okay, Westbrook driving in and, you know, getting to the corner, Mel's catching and shooting, which if he's hitting, that's great. But, like, if you're a scorer, like I'm a scorer for, you know, remember our rec league team, I just dropped, I dropped buckets. And a lot of it is about rhythm, right? And it's like sometimes you have to drive to the hole and just see one go in and get contact and create and go to the free throw line. And a lot of that's like obviously you can still do that, but like the opportunities to do that are going way down. So it's like it's much, much harder to be a catch and shoot score than it is to be sort of a rhythm volume scorer. So just like interesting to see how he adjusts because he's gonna have less opportunity to sort of like get into that rhythm.
1: Well, like all these super teams, like crunch time minutes will be really interesting. But through like the pace of the season and like through games, they're always going to have like an elite scorer on the court. Like you Russell goes to the bench and then you just run the offense through Carmelo or Carmelo gets a breather early and then you have Paul George out there whatever. They're going to be awesome as they stagger all their minutes. Correct. But I think Melo gets still it's like Westbrook's running the show. I mean, yeah, M- Melo's going to be the one that really has to adjust. But I'm a mellow apologist. I think it's going to work. I think he's mature enough at this point where mm-hmm. he's not going to have to just jack all the time. I, still th- I, I think he's underrated at this point in his career. Like, the fact that like, the, the ESPN thing is icing on the cake, where he's like this 60-foot nah, that, that is outrageous. He's still a top 30 player minimum. Like, he could get buckets. Still, easily. Well, I agree.
0: And like, I'm just sort of playing double advocate. Advocate. Like, I started by saying I think they're going to figure it out because that's just so much talent.
1: Um, Adams. They still got Adams. They've got Andre Roberson. They kept him.
0: He's horrible. But that, yeah, I that, guess you would need him to shoot even less this year.
1: Yeah, you just have him lock up. They got Patrick Patterson. He's kind of good, right? He's okay. I don't know. I this is easily my favorite team in the West now. Like obviously, I'm a mellow guy, so I'm like kind of just following him over there. But I'm like OKC all the way this year. I, oh, I'm um,
0: still, I'm still Spurs, baby. I'm Kawhi, do or die.
1: I mean, I love Kawhi. Kawhi was my MVP pick last year, but he
0: should have been. Look at the rest of his roster to be a two seed. Are you like, kidding me? Like if you swapped him and Harden, the Rockets would have been insane. And the Spurs would have been like a seven seed.
1: We're gonna do our I NBA preview Harden, later. Right. Yeah, but where do you where do thing. you like the Spurs? Like, Say it again? where do you like the Spurs in the West now? Like, who are your top four teams in the West? Because I think the I like. Besides the Warriors.
0: Besides the, I think the Spurs are still top four. They're just like pop's so good. Kawhi's going to continue to. Oh, get for better. sure.
1: Do you it's like that? Like... Who's your two seed in the West? Mm. I'm going Spurs. I'm going OKC. Okay, I just see. think
0: they. I think they they're like the New England Patriots. It's just like until they prove that they're not worthy of that, like I'm not picking against them. They like it's just organizational success, like through and through, top to bottom. They always find a way to win. They're so well coached. Pop gets more out of like more out of players than any other coach. Um, and I'm not going to pick the new shiny toy. I'm sticking with the Spurs for number two. What about you?
1: No, you're just not excited. I'm taking OKC, then the Spurs, then Houston.
0: No, every jabroni in the world is picking OKC. I
1: know. It's like, I don't Oh, care.
0: mellow. It's like a 2K, 2K17 team.
1: That's, that'd be be that exactly. would be such a fun team to play with. 2K I It would be such a fun team to play with. I mean, I don't care. I just like that team. I I like watching Westbrook play. I like watching. Well, I like less watching Mellow play, but I'm I'm just going down with Mellow. Paul George will be fun. Steven Adams, like, throwing elbows in the paint?
0: Nah, for sure. they will be fun to watch, for sure. I'm definitely going to cop me some Wizard Thunder tickets when they come to town.
1: Do you get league pass?
0: Uh, I don't, because I don't have any time, because I make pizza every night. But if I had more time, I would. All
1: right. Um, before we let you go, I know it happened like a month ago now. Do you want to talk about Boston? We never talked about Kyrie.
0: Yeah, I mean, quick, the quick and dirty is when it first happened, I was heartbroken, and I felt like we sort of, betrayed Isaiah and my you, dad and I said did. to each other, we were like winning is not all there is, right? Like, would you rather love your team and love the players and feel like you know them and feel like they love you back and losing the Eastern conference championship? Or would you rather sort of have no sort of loyalty and, um, not, you know, not know these guys and not have this deep love for these guys and win the championship. Um, so a month ago, I would have said, love my guys, and Eastern Conference Championship, and I was heartbroken for Isaiah. Uh, you know, But you know, six weeks later, the, the heart mends itself, and I'm pretty excited for, for the new
1: team. Your team is very sneaky unlikable. Kyrie forces his way out. Both Hayward and Al Horford ditch their Texas teams self. for big markets.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa sneaky
1: whoa, whoa, unlikable. Whoa, 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 whoa.
0: Yes. Whoa, whoa. Kyrie is the only likable one out of that Cleveland bunch. And he basically said, I don't want to be a part of the bad guys anymore. Let me go to the good guys. Why Gordon are you the Hayward good guys? Gordon Hayward is not dip, dipping on the small market team. He's going to reunite with the coach that recruited him out of high school. He's showing the utmost loyalty. And Horford, he left a team that was ready to rebuild. They didn't want to re-sign him. He had to go. They booted him. I the hate, narrative is all wrong.
1: I hate this team. I'm like just. I'm excited to watch Tatum. And Jalen, I I love the Tatum, Jalen Brown. I like that. Yeah, get real. Uh, Who's going to defend for you? Because I've read that's like, I know Marcus Smart is still there. I love him. Al Horford could guard big guys, I guess. Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown is crazy. Jalen Brown is
0: going to be an elite defender.
1: But in your crunch time lineup, like who's going to get stops? Because Kyrie can't guard anyone. Can Hayward play D? I'm pretty sure Tatum can at all.
0: Hayward's a good defender. Tatum's got to do better. And Town's going to be Hayward and Smart strapping
1: up. Mm, we'll see. My brother sent me this whole article about how he thinks he's, like, super hyped on the Wizards now because he thinks Boston's going to be terrible defensively. And like the Isaiah Thomas saying, with the injury in Cleveland, and now the Wizards might go to the NBA Finals. That's his spin zone. So
0: the Wizards are going to be a 5 or 6 seed. They're going to take a big step back. They are terrible. John Wall is terrible. Tell your brother to just follow soccer now that he's down in Mexico and, and leave the hoops to the big boys.
1: Uh, I don't agree with the with that, but I think they're a shoe in. I'm excited for the Knicks to be the annual. We get the Wizards first round pick at the deadline for Kylo Quinn and Courtney Lee for Satoransky and a first round pick or something like that. I'm already excited for that. So I
0: don't even know what you're talking about.
1: All right. Well, on that cue, I think we'll let you go. You got anything you want to plug, Big Drew?
0: Nah, just our friendship, man. I miss you.
1: Let's we'll take a trip together. <laughs> Two buddies. I miss you too, big dog. Plugging our friendship. What's up? Yeah. What up? What up? Go to Timber Pizza. It's the best pizza in D.C. Uh, no doubt. All right, big Drew. Appreciate it. We'll catch you soon. NBA season starts in a month, so we'll be able to have lots to talk about. We'll try to do this more often. For sure. All right. Later. Peace. Miss you. Love you. Bye. Love you too, big dog. Peace. All right. We are now joined by a very special guest, recurring guest, my dad. What's up, dad? Hey,
2: so happy to be here, man. we got stuff
1: to talk about. My dad is, well, I'm having you on because nobody I know hated Carmelo Anthony on the Knicks more than you. That is correct. To the point when when we would watch games together, uh, after about two minutes or three minutes into the game, you would just start screaming at him and walk out of the room saying, I can't watch this shit.
2: And I can't tell you how happy I am that I don't have to do that anymore.
1: So as a lifelong Nick fan, someone who grew up in New York, uh, what, first start with you're like, why were you so anti-Carmelo? Because I'm a Carmelo apologist.
2: All right, listen, I, I'm, I'll be perfectly frank with you. The guy knows as much about the concept of passing the ball as I do about performing open-heart surgery, okay? <laughs> the, the, guy, the guy just wants to hold on to the ball. Just that's all he knows. And shoot, teamwork, team, no. Uh, that's not a concept that Melo ever really understood. And so when I heard that the Knicks had traded Carmelo, I mean, I wanted to go out and buy a lottery ticket. It was one of the happiest days of my life. And, you know, I'll tell you something else. Yes. They got they got these two guys from Houston and the draft choice. OKC. Okay,
1: uh, keep going. Not
2: from OK, OKC. And, you know, frankly... I didn't care if they got you know, Homer Simpson and three carrots in exchange for <laughs> Carmelo. I was just thrilled to have him out of the house.
1: You, so the guys they got, they're both 25 as well. So That's,
2: that's right, and they got, and they got upside. I know, they're, I know that there are defensive liabilities at the moment, and, uh, and that's a problem. I, I, I admit def-
1: that. To say but, the defense is going to be a problem is the understatement of the year because the Knicks are going to probably be the worst defensive team in the league. I know, but here's the beauty of
2: it: as a fan, if you can't stop them from scoring, then outscore them, score more than they do, and I think that their offense could be really, really cool to watch this year. That's and what I so think. So, so, if they give up 118 points a game, I'm fine with that. If they score 120,
1: I I said the same thing to Andrew, saying initially I wasn't really. I mean, I was happy Mello got traded because the, the organization needed to move on. But I think we're going to be one of the more fun teams to watch in the league because the triangle is I gone. Agree. I agree, Alec. And it's going to be run and gun, and they've got a lot of shooters now. The one thing I'm really excited about, even though Cantor and McDermott statistically, are, and I am not exaggerating, Cantor ranked 65th at his 66th at his centers in the NBA that were eligible for defensive rating. So he's literally <laughs> the worst defensive center outside of one player in the league. And how does he rank as an offensive player? Uh, he's a beast. He averaged yeah, exactly per thirty six minutes. So if he played for thirty six minutes a game, if you average out his stats, he averaged twenty four points a game, and like thirteen rebounds. He's an awesome he, rebounder.
2: He is. He is. And you know, if look, we're fans. Okay, this is about entertainment, and if we can watch a team that, for better or for worse, we are fans of and we can be entertained by the product that they put on the floor, that we're ahead of the game. And so, you know, if they give up a lot of points, and, you know, and lose a lot of games, but if, it, if it's a wild and open game, that's a fun thing to watch, and I'm okay with that. As opposed to Melo getting the ball, hanging out on the wing, looking for an opening, you know, holding the ball for, for 15 seconds, and then putting up, you know, a
1: 30-foot jump shot. I'm, I'm done with that. We, the ball movement should be interesting because Hornacek wants to go back to his Phoenix days where they just push the ball. It's kind of like D'Antoni. Push the ball and lots of threes. And now the thing that's so going to be really fun to watch is Cantor, just like Willie Herman Gomez, is a really good fit for Zingas because they both bang at the yeah. rim. He gets all... He gets, I read a stat. He gets 88% of his points, uh, Cantor, in the paint. So he just That's, bangs at the rim, that, yeah. gets offensive rebounds, and just finishes. And then you're going to have Brzingis shooting threes. Then you put Hardaway, Courtney Lee, and McDermott around the perimeter. It's like we're going to just have three-point shooters everywhere. And, you know, McDermott shoots about
2: about 40% from three-point range. That ain't bad.
1: He was, he's, he's a worse defender maybe than Cantor. But he was – you know, the Bulls traded up a lot to get him. He's 25 but he's a three point specialist and he's near elite level at that at that skill. So if he could knock down threes and like get his confidence back cuz he had a really bad run in OKC. But
2: and by the way, and don't and don't uh, forget about the draft choices they got. It's really the the, uh, the Bulls. It's a second uh. round draft choice in the Bulls and the Bulls are going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, a top and So team. the Knicks may have a really pretty good draft choice either to take or to trade and get somebody good for it.
1: Yeah, I like the pick, too. That's a good point to bring up. Yeah, I think there's lots of light. You know what my fear is? Because I want the Knicks to be bad this year. I mean, I'm going to watch all the games, and, you know, obviously I'm a fan. But, like, the Knicks, it's a really good draft again. I know they say that every year. But it's very top-heavy. So we want the Knicks to tank and be bad. I think the Knicks might be better without Melo. Like, I think they might actually be a better team now than they were last season. I think that is
2: absolutely beyond question because now there're going to be five guys on the floor who contribute to that team, not one or two guys. There, and the, you know what Alex? You know what? I can't wait one of the great stories for the upcoming season is going to see is, is going to watch OKC with three guys on the floor, George and Mello and um, and and you know Westbrook M- and yeah, Mr. Mr. Incredible, to watch the three of those guys, each of whom wants the ball like 70% of the time. So that's like, what, 210%. You can't do that. And so I I think it's going to be a sitcom in about two years, and I'm I'm already thinking about who we should cast in those roles because that's going to be amazing to watch. There's going to be so much uh, disruptiveness and unhappiness in that locker room. Uh, so I am happy that Melo is gone. I am looking forward to what they can put on the floor. It's a growing process. It's a building process. I'm fine with that. I've been a Nick fan for you know for 50 years, and I'm ready for it.
1: Are you excited to watch Porzingis every night? Just be the go-to option. Yes. Yeah, I'm like so for about I don't know 12 hours. Much like with the Porzingis pick, for about 12 year, hours after the trade, I like going through all these emotions. I'm like. Glad Melo's gone, but we got Cantor McDermott. Could we have done better? And now I'm just excited because it's a new chapter. We don't have to deal with the melodrama anymore. I think there's still another trade or two away because the Knicks have a lot of big men. I mean, besides Perzingis and Cantor, they still got Noah, who's suspended for 20 games. Herman Gomez is nice. I I watched him play a little bit in the Euros this summer. He's going to be good. He's kind of like Cantor. I mean, they're very similar players. Very offensive, good rebounder, really polished, kind of old school center. And they still have Kyle O'Quinn. They've got a lot of veterans that they could trade to a contender. Like, I think they're a shoe in for a deadline deal to trade Courtney Lee and Kyle O'Quinn for like a draft pick. Probably I to think the Wizards. Right. I'm calling right. it now. They're trading to the Wizards at the deadline. I can't wait to talk to Jesse and Zach about it. Because, again, the Wizards have no bench. And the Knicks. No, Knicks stink, and they're going to be bad at defense. They have a lot of NBA players, though. Like, their point guard situation is a nightmare, but at every other position, they're two or three guys deep that have varying levels of how good they are, but they could all contribute. Like, they're well, all go- veterans I'm gonna or ba- promising.
2: I'm going I'm to go back to a point I said a couple of minutes ago, which is let's talk about expectations here. My expectations are not high. I do not expect this team to do very well. On the other hand, I have fairly high expectations about the entertainment value of the product they put on the floor. I think they will be fun to watch. And that is so much you know, a step ahead of where they've been in the last few years.
1: I will say the last few years have been tough to watch, mainly because they stink. And then a lot of mellow, a lot of mellow iso ball. I mean, what were the two worst things about last season? Derrick Rose... And Melo Isos. And now Derrick Rose is gone, who took a lot of shots from Przingis. Melo's gone. I mean, it's going to be like the last three minutes of the game, and they're going to be running the offense through Przingis. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It is, and they've got to, they're going to have
2: tools on the floor that Przingis can deal off to when, when, when they start collapsing on him. Uh, you know, this could, be, this could be fun, Alex. Let's not be afraid of this.
1: I think also a sneaky subplot of this, I didn't talk about this with Andrew, even though his contract is crazy, I think Tim Hardaway might actually have a, like, just scoring could have a huge season because he's going to play a lot. He's going to get yeah. a lot of shots up, and they're going to be running, and he's going to have a lot of opportunity. And now that Melo's gone, I mean, you're going to have Przingis putting up points, Cantor will put up points, Herman Go. I mean, who else is going to score for this team? McDermott's going to score for him. Yeah, McDermott, if he play, I mean, Lance Thomas is still there. And they got Kuzminskis, my favorite uh. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Of
2: course.
1: So they've got guys, and they picked up Michael Beasley, who I don't – have you ever seen Michael Beasley play?
2: Uh, Yeah, but not in a way that I remember.
1: You're going to hate him. He's kind of like Carmelo. <laughs> he shoots a lot. So you're going to hate Beasley, but I kind of love him. But I feel like Hardaway is going to play a ton, and they're going to – outside of Brazingas, I think they see Hardaway as – Well, Przingis, I mean, Hardaway is like right-hand man. He's going to be our second scorer on option. And then, do you like Ron Baker? Do you like watching him play? He's our starting point guard. I know nothing about Ron Baker. He's like this little white boy who they got for nothing last year. He was undrafted. He's all heart. The coaches love him. He plays hard defense, which is great. Uh, He's their ultimate hustle guy. But, was undrafted, and then they gave him $9 million this offseason, which was panned as one of the worst contracts in the offseason. Wow, yeah. But I, I look, Neil Aquina, their rookie, he plays defense. I think you're going to like that because he straps up and he's going to deflect a lot of balls and push the ball in transition.
2: Well, somebody besides him and Porzingis, you know, somebody's got to play defense on that team. And um,
1: I think they again only, You go, you go.
2: Uh, I, I i you know again alex my expectations are not high and they shouldn't be but uh, once again if it's a fun product that people want to tune in just to watch these guys play um that's, that's a huge boost from where they've been i am very very happy that mellow is gone
1: yeah i you're like selling me on it i was I, was a little I sent you my video right my little video tribute to Melo and I for his I lit his candle. I don't know you were playing golf but I'm I am I'm, I'm, I'm going to root for Melo and OKC. I always liked him more than you but starting a new chapter is exciting. So He's also he's what?
2: 33, 34
1: 33 years old. They Ryan? traded they traded a 33-year-old for a, yeah. and they're rebuilding and they got two 25-year-olds that could play offense, not really anything else. And a draft pick. Who the Bulls are going to maybe be the worst team in the league, so
2: exactly, exactly,
1: the, right. The thirty-first pick or thirty-second pick in the NBA draft for a team that needs young talent will be something. They'll have their own second-round pick that will be high, and then they're going to have hopefully a top-five uh, lottery pick.
2: I'm getting excited right now. I'm right. ready.
1: I'm definitely re-up in league pass, and I'm just, you know, poor Katie is going to have to watch the Knicks. Actually, Katie might <laughs> like Katie. I used to make well, I make Katie watch. These, like, Knicks at Charlotte on a Saturday at 4 o'clock. I'll be like, yeah, let's go out to dinner, but let's that, watch this game first. That
2: is cruel, Alex. You should never be doing that. that, so, that is, no, no, no.
1: But she's, I think she's going to like this team. She had love a hate relationship with Melo. She loves Prazingis, though. So she always reminds me. You were there. Well, she always yeah. reminds me that she liked Prezingus the second we drafted him. Well, it took me 12 hours to warm up to the idea. <laughs> you remember? Well, I'm with, I'm with Katie on this. You remember we were – I think I cooked dinner that night. You guys were visiting, and I, like, didn't yeah. speak to anyone for, like, 20 minutes. But <laughs> it took 12 hours later I was in. So we'll see. I, I, you got me very excited. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think they're going to be exciting. They're going to probably stink. I do think they're going to be the worst. They're a, a lock for a top three worst defensive teams in the league.
2: And they may prove to be one in the top 10
1: offensive teams in the league. I agree. I think they're going to be very entertaining. And that alone should be exciting for Knicks fans. And they're going to stink, and they should stink. I just hope they're not too good because I want them to get a top five, top six pick. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll have to to see after. We'll we'll give them a few months, and we'll see, and we'll get you back on to see what you think of the product. Uh, Fair enough. All right, cool. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, appreciate it. We'll, We'll be in touch. Okay, buddy, take care. Yeah, take care. Bye,
2: Dad. Down,
0: good lord. With the two idiots talking sports. Strictly, man, they just play around, cover much ground, talk about the best pound for pound. It's Z to AC, DC to Cali. Ooh, wee. You can't get them out of your mind. No, they talk
1: about the sports all the time.